0: To another exciting edition of SFP. Now uh, today's interview is with um, is with Rob Williams, the the, the popular UK comics writer, and joining me to go over the news today is Patrick Hayes. And now... Patrick, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Ian? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. So um, it's been um, quite a quite quite a busy week for news so far. Ton of news going out. Well, um, in in the spirit of um, all things news, do
2: you want to start first? Sure. Um, I'll start with um, one that uh, has got some people breathing a sigh of relief, but is kind of still too much mystery going on for too many people, including me. Photos came out in the Daily Mail, of all places, of Harrison Ford uh, coming out of a restaurant sporting a um, a little uh, portable cast, as it were, so he can get around. And so evidently, um, rumor mill's going crazy, and the only official announcement from Lucasfilm has been, um, Harrison Ford is ready to resume filming some scenes, so it looks like we're not gonna get this massive delay that was being thrown about for a week or two, or, or that they're gonna have to rewrite the whole movie, it looks like they're gonna just shoot around his leg, cause he looks fine from the knees up, so, I... Got a feeling that gonna just start filming along with him again.
0: Yeah, it's just it's funny that because they um there was a story that came out a couple of days ago, you know, saying that one of the new actors I can't remember the name of the name of the actor now, um, but they're saying that you know, one of the new actors was going to have more scenes as a result of a Harrison Ford's injury.
2: Right. Yeah, I can't remember that guy's name either. Supposedly, he's rumored to be playing uh, Han Solo's son. And if they're going to, spoiler alert, kill off Han Solo in this movie like Harrison Ford wants... He would obviously um fill that smuggler spot pretty quickly. But I have a feeling they're gonna use Harrison just like they intended him to.
0: I hope they do because um Han Solo was just a cool character. He was a character that I wanted to be growing up. Oh yeah,
2: he's he's the character just about everybody wanted to be. So he, he deserves a he deserves the fitting send off and that's what I'm sure this movie's gonna give him.
0: I'm kind of hoping they don't give him a send off. I'm kind of hoping to keep him around, but you know, so like not 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 have him take over the uh, the NASA two movies of the series basically have him in them uh, they might film stuff where he cameos
2: perhaps but um, I think one of the reasons they got him is because he just wants to kill that character
0: yeah well he wants killed character because he, he was never a fan of the character anyway he's, uh, he's, uh, he's also—he's always been quite vehemently outspoken about about a character.
2: Yeah, which is which is sad. I mean, he doesn't get it like everybody else gets it who grew up with that character. But um I think that's one of the reasons they got him is we'll 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 take you in, we'll make you a key component, we'll kill you off if you like, and I'm sure he went go right ahead. He probably said go ahead, make my day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I much prefer Indiana Jones anyway. <laughs> I do too, but after he broke his leg I'm like ooh they they got a recast. Yeah they 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 definitely got recast because you can't have Indiana Jones, you know, so like You know, walking into a door and a door falling on him. That just isn't. Doesn't happen, <laughs> you know. Large boulders, yeah, but not doors. He'd <laughs> never make it out of that first temple if that were the case. <laughs> Here's an interesting uh, little, little uh, story I've just found. Um, Boom Studios have apparently announced plans to do a Sleepy Hollow comic book series. That's going to be fantastic. It, it will be good. I mean, you know, Boom do some great stuff. I mean, I I, um, I got a Planet of the Apes series a few years back, which was which, which was sort of like uh, done by numerous people. Um, um, in including uh, Gabriel Hardman. K- Gabriel Hardman and, and uh Karina Becko yeah. Karina Big Be- yeah. And they, they, they actually did a did a great series and, and I think the other I think the other writer on it was Darrell Gregory. Oh wow. Who, who did the he, he did the initial series and, and, and Karina and uh, Gabriel did a um, did kinda of like a spin off series which was set ten or twenty years before before the um you know, before Chow and Heston landed, so... Um, yeah, they're both great people,
2: and um, I'm looking forward to Boom. Boom seems to be really swinging back this year with putting out uh, uh, big profile projects, and this is certainly a way to get their name put out there a lot more.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Dynamite are doing some pretty pretty neat stuff as well. I mean, I I uh, read the first three issues of uh, Six Million Dollar Man recently. Right, and they're bringing back the... Uh, they had the
2: Bionic Woman for a while, and now they're bringing that one back as well, so they're really pushing the Bionic... Uh, the bionic duo as it were
0: yeah but you know basically uh, basically they had the bionic man and the bionic woman and and those those two series were set in the present day these ones that they're doing now are set in the 70s kind of like a year one six million dollar man and it's kind of like basically the, the Six Million Dollar Man one's called Season Six, and the uh, buying It Woman one is Season Five. Right, right. The continuing the continuing adventure sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're basically, doing a Buffy with uh, with, with Steve and, and Jamie, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, and really enjoyed the uh, Six Million Dollar Man one. They, um, they, you know, they they used the uh, Maskatron, who was never actually in the TV series. <laughs> Which I found funny. Right. Oh I had that toy when
2: I was a kid, I remember that thing.
0: Yeah, I, I used to I used to always having infiltrating Steve's Steve Steve's you know, Steve's knife as Oscar Goldman. <laughs> you know? Um, until I lost the face of Oscar Goldman and uh, I was you know, I was devastated. <laughs> But yeah, I, I remember those two ties. Um, I used to have the I used to have the Steve Austin and Mascotron tie. Um, in fact, I was looking on uh, eBay the other day at the uh, you know at, at some connectable sort of thing. Oh, and this they, is going to be painful. I can tell. They they had, was it going for? They had a six million dongaman, man uh, original uh, mint condition, you know, still 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 with its boxes and everything. And, right. and they were looking for 150 quid for it. Oh my God. Which is, you know, probably about probably around about the three hundred dollar mark, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> I t- if I had hundred fifty quid that I could throw away, night, like, but I'd get it. <laughs> but it's just so like, um, it's just a lot of money to find. Oh heck yeah, you know. So I, I couldn't go for it, but it what, really cool. Um, another um, another neat story. Um, before I pass the baton back on to you, is once upon a time season four has actually cast um, Frozen's Anna and uh, Kristoff. Once upon a time has cast Frozen's Anna and Kristoff uh, Scott Michael Foster, gr- uh, Greek The River, will play down-to-earth hero Christoph with newcomer Elizabeth Lau cast as Anna. It was confirmed in May that characters from the Disney animated blockbuster will appear in ABC's fantasy series after Anissa face unseen, made a cameo in the third season finale. The role of e- e- Elsa, is known as the, who is known as, also known as the Snow Queen, is yet to be cast. Once Upon a Time's creators, Edward Kitsis and Adam Harowitz, have promised to put their own twist on the characters. Once Upon a Time will return to ABC in the fall. the series is currently without a broadcaster in the UK because Channel 5 very generously cancelled it, hearing this year. <laughs> it, that, that's not the only thing they cancelled as well, they also cancelled Walking Dead. Oh my god. Yeah, because they, they had the rights to uh, broadcast via, uh, you know, the terrestrial rights to show Walking Dead and they cancelled it. Oh my god, that one would upset me to no end. Well, we still got Walking Dead in, in here, it's still got a broadcaster here, but it's basically, uh, the, the distinction is, um, basically, it's shown first on Fox here in the UK. Um, which is a cable channel, right. and Channel Five is actually kind of like a normal channel. It's kind of like one of our broadcasts. You know, it's it's the equivalent to a broadcast network, I guess. Right. You know, that everyone can get sort of thing. And and they they, they, they cancelled Walking Dead and and Once Upon a Time. I'm sure adding
2: those two characters is really going to punch up the ratings on Once Upon a Time.
0: It probably probably will do because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff happening with Frozen at the moment. Um, Funko have actually. Just they're, they're they're going to be releasing a new tie line based on the characters from Frozen. I was showing them my niece the other day, and she, she was going, "Oh, they're so cute!" Oh yeah. I says, "Would you like me get you one for Christmas?" And she goes, "No." <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> well, you know she's she's twelve, so you know she she'll acknowledge Something's cute, but she, you know she don't want one. <laughs>
2: Right, right. Yeah, she's an intelligent
0: child. She wants, she wants a Porsche or a Ferrari or an Lamborghini and uh, and just loads and loads and loads of clothes. There you go. You know, that's <laughs> that's basically the uh, that's basically um, ah, the ah, She she she's she's um, she's been big into clothes for the past three three years, and that's all she spends money on. Wow. And yeah. um, so she spends other people's money on as well. <laughs> so you know, my, my sister's bringing her up right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So over to you. Um, Weird story
2: just came out today. Um, A cosplayer decided to film a Vine video. Vine videos are 30 seconds long. So he was going to film something for Vine. A 27-year-old man named uh, Christopher Burns decided to dress up as a stormtrooper and film a quick clip walking down a street in Salinas, Kansas. Selena, kansas i should say and a travel agency saw this person that they didn't recognize which shocks and terrifies me walking down the street with a weapon so they contacted the police department and the police shut down this street for fear of a man with a gun walking down the middle of the road it's wonder he wasn't shot exactly and in kansas of all places he's lucky he wasn't shot and thankfully, when the police arrived, they realized this was a man dressed as a stormtrooper, obviously with a non-functioning weapon, and the guy was just warned to be careful doing it again. But, I mean, thank heavens this ended correctly, but can you imagine all the news broadcasts in the next 24 to 48 hours that are going to show this clip? Because you can actually watch this online, of this guy walking down the street and panicked people running. And the jokes, the comments that people are putting online are hilarious. The best one I saw was, he's a stormtrooper. Don't worry, he won't hit anybody when he fires.
0: <laughs> I thought of an even better one. Oh yeah, what do um, you got? Well, you know, the re- only reason he wasn't shot was because he kept to the Yangabrit Road. Ooh.
2: <laughs> This could, this could go on forever, though, all the jokes. I was like, well, thank goodness
0: it wasn't Boba Fett, because that could have got real messy real fast. and yeah, that, 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 that would have got messy real fast. Um, a sang pit would have opened up in the middle of middle nowhere. Right, but
2: I'm thinking this town, uh, Salina, Kansas, uh, either doesn't have a comic book store, doesn't have cable television, and doesn't have uh, comic book conventions anywhere in their area to not recognize one of the most iconic familiar images in the public domain for decades a stormtrooper it just stunned me
0: yes it, it is pretty amazing but i guess there are pockets of society that i've never seen star wars well my
2: entire comment to that is the state of kansas enough said <laughs>
0: So, well, um, what what else do we have? Let's have a look here. Did you want to talk about American Gods? Yeah, you know, that's been picked up, hasn't it?
2: It did, it got picked up. That's big news. Stars has picked it up. And um, I'm looking forward to it, but my first comment was, my first thought was, I don't remember there being a lot of nudity in American Gods.
0: Well, I've never actually read the book <laughs> myself, so... I'm just like, all I
2: can think of is Spartacus with all the nudity on that show and other shows, and I'm like... I don't remember a lot of bad language or nudity. What's what Stars gonna do to make it a Stars program? So I'm I'm glad it got picked up, but I'm kind of concerned on wondering what they're gonna do to it to adult it up, as it were.
0: Well, I've got one thing to say to Stars regarding nudity and Spartacus: gratitude. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I, I just love that whole song, like, the way they spoke in Spartacus. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was just sort of like, uh, it, was, it, was, it was almost something, sort of like, it was kind of like a modern, sort of like, uh, iambic, you know, what what is it called now? That 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 song, like, Rhythm of Speaking, that's associated with, with Shakespeare. Oh, iambic pentameter. Yeah. It, it was kind of, it was kind of like some something. It was kind of like a modern twist on that sort of thing, wasn't it, Ringy? Really? Oh yeah, yeah. You know? And um, I, I, I just loved it, you know, because we have all these, um, the, these, these TV shows where they're, they're, where they're all very, very serious. <laughs> Whereas in, in in Spartacus, they just spoke in I, I and um, either had sex or killed each other. <laughs> you know and it's yeah, just it really simple. Yeah. It was just a really, really simple thing. But um, American Gods being picked so thats that's going to be good news. And I think I think Neil Neil Neil, Neil Gaiman will be—I uh, almost said Neil Diamond then for a moment. Don't know where that came from. Oh wow! <laughs> wow, <laughs> Neil Diamond done <laughs> I, I think, American Horror Story. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, that you know. That, that that would have got ratings until they realized it was at, it was it was actually ring Neil diamond and then they just would have all went running. Yeah. You know. And so uh, they would have they would have went to their grannies and say, Gran, American Gods is on <laughs> Oh boy. Um but I believe uh Neil Gaiman's actually um exec exec producing it as well.
2: Oh that's a good sign then, okay. I feel better than if that's the
0: case it's a story i read um i was sent a story in on about it i i, I only found out a few that it'd been picked up though uh but i was sent a story in on by by reese saying that uh, brian fuller uh, was in the frame to uh, executive produce with it being picked up as a series now i guess he's executive producing with neil gaiman and uh, and, and this other person that he's working with as well so yeah that's fantastic it's, it, it is, um, I'm, I'm curious to see it because it's got an interesting premise, hasn't it? So it's just um, a really, from, from from what I remember reading about it a couple, couple, couple of years ago when they when they first started pitching this around, it's sounding like a really interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, HBO
2: was thinking about it for a while and AMC, so I'm glad it, it didn't die, somebody got it. So hopefully this spurs on other, other Neil Gaiman projects, I'd love to see more.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised Netflix didn't get it, or, um, or Amazon Prime, because they're actually doing some doing their own stuff now as well, and have been for a while.
2: Right, and I think Netflix is really putting a lot of money into um, their uh, Marvel their four Marvel series that they're going to do. So
0: Yeah, and I should imagine uh, Amazon Prime uh, put quite a lot into Ripper Street for the uh, third series as well. Right. Well, yeah. It's going. It's going to be um, an interesting show. I think. I'm um, definitely keeping my eyes open for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, getting back onto uh, something that we both are really, really looking forward to. Um, the the date for Dot Who was released um, over week over last weekend, and it's going to be airing in both the UK and the US um, on the 23rd of August. Yay! <laughs> and. And there's been been a bit of news released um, since then, and that is that the Cybermen are going to be in the new series. Yay! Um, I'm thinking, no, not again. Can we have the Yeti? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of like thinking, could could we have the Robots of Death? Oh wow! Uh, you know, could you bring some other villain back, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. I have a feeling they
2: spend all that money on Cybermen armor so they gotta bring it out once a year.
0: Yeah, well you know, they don't have to bring it out once a year, they can bring it out every couple of years. I think it's um I think it's basically because Cybermen stories and Dalek stories are quite easy to write. Yeah. You know. They they don't have to put, put as much effort in as, say, coming up with something entirely new, I guess. Yeah.
2: And I'm sure they get bigger ratings when you've got one of those two villains running about.
0: I guess so, yeah. Um, another another bit of Doctor Who news. This is to do with Big Finish, though. I'm going to be interviewing uh, John Ainsworth tomorrow from Big Finish, so that, that's uh, that's going to be a coup, you know, a coup one for for, for a future show um, that that we have coming. But um, Big Finish released uh, some news uh, last week weekend, and apparently they're going to be bringing the Rani into their regging the Doctor Who series. Um Ooh, what? Yeah, and she's, you know, she's going to be played... Let's see if we can find the name of the actress here. She's, it's going to be in the main range of uh, the Big Finish sto- stories, and I'm trying to find the name of the actress. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I, well, she was played by the Nate Kate Omaru who died late last year, or right. early this year. I think it was early this year. This new version of the Rani... Um, well, it's it's going to be it's going to be written by Justin Richards, um, and she's going to be reunited with the Sips Doctor and Perry in in the story. Oh wow! Which is going to be called a uh, Doctor Who Verani Elite, oh. um, and I can't find the name of the actress that's going to play her. <laughs> <laughs> um, still, I'm still looking for it. <laughs> um, and, the, the, the latest the latest Rani is going to be played by uh, a Sa- Redmond, whose many leading television credits include Between the Lines, The High Life, The Smoking Room, Taggart, and Holby City. So um, th- there we go, and she's going to be in she's going to be coming out in in a story that's uh, going to be in the main range. So that's kind of cool news from from Big Finish there.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad to see Big Finish taking the lead where the BBC has kind of let it down. I wish the Ronnie had come back, it would appear in the new Doctor Who adventures.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the, it, it's kind of funny because uh, an interview that Kate O'Mara did before she passed away, and I picked up on this Nate last year, she said that she'd love to uh, she'd love to appear as a Rani and she said that she'd love to appear alongside Pete Capaldi's Doctor as, Ria, as Rani because basically he, he, you know, the news had just broke. It was last August. This. Oh yeah. And um, she said she'd love, love to do it, but she said that one one reasons. But she she also added that she doesn't think the the older se- segment of the audience quite get the new series of Doctor Who.
2: Oh, I don't know about
0: that. Um. Yeah, but I think she was referring to people around about her age. Well, okay, perhaps.
2: But I think if you're a fan of Doctor Who, you're, you're watching the series right now in all its incarnations. You're going to be a fan of it in its present state.
0: Yeah, you know, you're right if you're a fan of it. But um, I think she was referring more generally towards the mainstream audience. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Because um, Doctor Who in the UK, it's always been um, aimed at quite a broad audience. Right. You, you know, you, you you do get your fans of it, which, you know, but um, the, the, there's there also people that watched it. I mean, for example, there was an episode of uh, Tom Baker's Doctor Who back in the 80s that was watched by 17 million people. Wow. And uh, the only reason that actually happened back then, uh, because it usually mm-hmm. went around about uh, 11 or 12 million when it was at its height, but the only reason it got 70 million people was because ITV was on strike oh <laughs> but, um, but but it was always it always had strong ratings um, of, of of around about so like uh, 10 or 12 million when it was at its height during during the and that was back in the days when we only had three three or four channels so. right and yeah. the thing is not all of those people that watched were what you'd call diehard fans yeah you know so it's it, it, it's uh, it, it's interesting because when, when they make it, they're trying to aim at as broader audience as possible. And I think, you know, the point Kate O'Mara was trying to make was that a lot of the older members of the audience and maybe some of the older fans uh, weren't, weren't quite um, in sync with the, the, the younger Doctor.
2: Yeah, but I think if they cast... Um,
0: wow, and this is really going against
2: uh, television hiring practices. But I think if they cast some of those classic actors older actors as it were um i think that would pull in an, an older audience
0: i i think he i think he's going to do that as well you I know mean, especially peter capaldi because he's you know he, he's he's well known here in the uk he's been he's been in a lot of stuff he was in he, he's been in a lot of films and and the uh, tv stuff and um you know he's he's a well-known actor and he's, he's also well night as well right it's it's going to be interesting to see see how it all, all pans out.
2: Right, and I know they're doing that big um, worldwide tour push with uh, Capaldi for, to promote the new season of Doctor Who.
0: But they are, yeah. And they did the same with uh, Matt Smith when he came on.
2: Right, except this time, Capaldi's not coming out to the west coast of, of the United States, which disappoints me so much because Comic-Con is coming up in three weeks, and talk about a prime platform to get the message out.
0: He could appear at Comic-Con, and People would go insane. They, 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 indeed, they would. But you never know. They, they might, they might turn up and surprise people. Right. I mean, they, they've actually said publicly that they're not going to be going to Comic Con, sort of thing. But you, you never know what will happen. You know, anything can happen between now and then.
2: Right. Right. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I would definitely try to attend that.
0: I, um, I, I just wish um, that I um, had the money to get myself down there and uh, get, get into Comic-Con for, for a couple of days.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't gone for all four days in, jeez, in about seven years, and I'm going with a friend and other friends this time and not with my family, so I won't be hindered by them as I try to stand in line for things. Mm, that's not a nice thing to say about family. <laughs> no, my family, my wife, would completely agree with me. We, we stood in line for the Big Bang Theory, and we had a good time there, but we stood in line for two hours, and my wife just gave me a look like I'm not doing this ever again.
0: Mm-hmm. And and uh, your youngest was probably in the back saying, "Are we there yeah? No, she was. She was. I can crowd surf to the front, Daddy. Help me up. Help me up. <laughs> yeah,
2: nothing like good. a nine year old going, "Put me on your shoulders and push me forward."
0: Yep, that that, that that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got that. Do you do you have anything else?
2: Um, that's about all I've got.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 out too. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been an interesting week for news, and we've got we've got some um, we've got some great things coming up on the show in the next coming weeks. Uh, but uh, before we get on to that, and before I go off another one of my tangents, um, here's the uh, new interview with uh, comics writer, Rob Williams.
2: Hi, my name is Steve Lund, and I play the character Nick Sorrentino on the new sci-fi and space series Bitten, and you are listening
1: to sci-fi SciFiPulseRadio.com, taking the pulse of sci-fi.
0: Of the show, and um, who's um, one of one of one of the best known UK comics writers around. How are you doing, Rob? Yeah, uh, very good. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to be on. It's oh, cool. It's really cool to have you on. Um, and you I was basing. I'm going to ask you a few similar questions to what we already asked on the website. Yeah. Um, but you know, first off. Um, from the little info you did, you did provide, you, you actually uh, took what seems to be a fairly common route into comics in that you started out as a journalist. Um, so I'm just wondering, was comics always a thing that you wanted to do?
1: No, not really. I mean, I was always a fan and, and have been since I was um, since you know, since I was little, um, and I always wanted to write for a living. And and uh, but I, I genuinely never put two and two together. It just I never even comprehended. <laughs> How comics were done and uh, were put together, and, and the whole process of it, um, until I was relatively late um, in life. Really, I mean, I, I wanted to be a journalist. I came out of school and went to college and did a, journal, uh, a, a journalism course, and then worked in journalism for a few years and. I found myself by unintentionally uh, 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 working for a video production company, um, which was never my plan. And even though we were making very dull videos, I was writing scripts for them, and I was writing visually. Um, and that's when the kind of penny dropped, and I thought, "Well, hang on, if I'm you know I'm writing visually, maybe maybe I should. Um, these these can't be too far away from comic scripts." And then I started sort of. Um, hunting down what few scripts you could buy these days, those days, sorry, in in graphic novels, in the backs of graphic novels or whatever. There was a Sandman one. I think John Wagner did a Dread one in a 2008 annual um, and and started to learn about the format because, I mean, this is pre-internet, so now you can go online, you can find a million comic scripts or or screenplays and and TV scripts, whatever. And back then it was a bit tougher to find uh, comic scripts. It was was a little bit more obscure. So, um, yeah, I think I was... Probably, I was late twenties, approaching thirty before probably before I even considered it. Um, I'm guessing that since then you've actually uh,
0: you've come into a lot of other creators of comics and stuff like that. Is there any any creators um, in in the comics industry, other writers, that you, you, you'd say have, uh, have been
1: particularly inspiring to you? I think a lot are inspiring. I mean, uh, th- I think there's a, a difference between inspiring and kind of you you kind of want to sort of um, uh, follow their path. I mean, in terms of inspiring, I mean, you you go back to people like Alan Moore and Frank Miller when when I was probably a teenager, just had huge effects upon me um, with um, Captain Britain and, and um, uh, Miracle Man or Marvel Man, whatever you want to call it, and, and, and Alan Moore's other work and um, and Frank Miller, you know, with uh, with Daredevil back then, and they were big influences. I mean, as you go, as I got o- older, there's not really that many comic writers who um, I kind of feel that way about. Maybe because it's because I do it for a living. That's not to say there aren't fantastic comic writers out there who I really admire, because there are. But I think these days, I mean, I've, the writing that inspires me more than anything is probably in t- the TV shows I watch, in, in terms of things like. Boardwalk Empire and you know Breaking Bad shows like that. But the writing in those shows um, absolutely blows me away. But um, but yeah, there's still. I mean, I still think there's, there's great comic writers out there. People like Garth Ennis are still doing just amazing work. Um, and my contemporaries, my friends, you know, there's some of the work they, the people yeah, the work they're doing at the moment. People like Al Ewing and Saeed Spurrier. I mean, I, I, I find that, I find their work quite inspiring in a way because. Um, uh, they're just doing such great inventive stuff, and it kind of pushes you on. So it's um, uh, probably a, a, a roundabout answer to, to your question. But yeah, I mean, there, there's always numerous people who, who inspire you.
0: Yeah, you, you've recently uh, you've recently had a um, had had a book published um, as a as it as sta- as a, a standalone miniseries through Titan 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 Comics called Ordinary, yeah. um, and that's a three part uh, mini series. Um, is there any is there any other stories that you've done like that that have been in 2000 AD? Other anthology stories that you, you'd perhaps like to see, you know, get standalone treatment like that? that well, but, I mean, they point.
1: could do. I mean, it's um, uh, I mean, the difference with Ordinary is it's creator owned. Um, uh, we we published initially through the Judge Dredd magazines, crater Um and they um, you uh, they allow you to retain ownership at the end, so you're free to then take the story. Um, elsewhere into the American market or other markets for that matter and um, and that's what we've done with Ordinary I mean we we published it in three uh, a mini series, which is three issues for the American market through Titan as you said and it's going to be a, a complete graphic novel afterwards um, I mean I, I could do that with some of the other things I've done for 2000 AD but, but of course the difference is they own it Rebellion own it um, uh, so that would be a decision for them and, and not for me but yeah I mean stories like um, uh, The Grievous Journey of Ichabod Azrael or something I, I think that would work in the same format, but um, yeah, that's that's a question for for rebellion,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, I'm just wondering, you know, what the deal was there with, with 2000 AD because there's been, you know, there's been quite a few successful, you know, s- stories that have come out of that, such as uh, I think the Israeli did one with um with Ian Edgington with Stickleback and stuff like yeah. that. So, I mean, I mean, this is the thing, I
1: mean, 2000 E just creates you know. Um, and Hasden will just innumerable great stories but the, there's no reason at all they wouldn't work in the American market but it's just a question of format I mean as you know 2000 AD is weekly uh, uh, and, and so you, episodes come in five page chunks um, whereas like in the, in the American market you know it's monthly and usually 20 page chunks so the pacing is is kind of a little different um, and that was something we were aware of with Ordinary it, we always had an eye we knew we were going to the American market eventually so even though we had cliffhangers um, major episode cliffhangers every fourteen pages. We kind of—I—I I, was—I I kept my eye on the pacing, so I, I felt like it would still work in in, in an American uh, when it got to the American format. Um, uh, you know, if you did something with a 2000 AD series which had a major cliffhanger every five pages, you know, it might jar a little bit, but I, but I don't see it being that much of a problem. I think people, you know, readers are used to page turn cliffhangers in comics all the time. So um, yeah. You know, they could do it, and in fact, they have done it recently with um, Brassent, Ian Edginton, and um, uh, Ian Colbart's series. They've just released, uh, even though it ran in 2008, it's just been put out as a collected as a mini series for the American market. I'm sure they'll they'll do a lot more of it as well because there's no reason why the material shouldn't appeal to people on both sides of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. One, one of your books that you was talking about on your, your blog, and you know, since
0: since I read what you know your, your answer to my initial question about it, I'm sort of like wondering if it's gonna be on trade, is yeah. um, is Royals Master of Masters of War. Yeah. Um, which is as you say it's your alternative to say kind of Second World War where all the Royals have superpowers. And yeah. they, they sign a treaty not to, not to fight, not to get involved, and one of them does. Mm. Um, which, you know. That, that that's that whole storyline and um, that whole sort of like meta history type thing you've got going on there is it's kind of the sort of thing that I like to read. So I'm just wondering if you if you have any idea if that will be on trade because I'm kind oh, of oh
1: yeah, I'm sure it'll collect all it. collected. I, I don't have dates uh, handy at the moment. I mean, the mini series is still is still running. I mean, issue five comes out today actually when we're talking, mm. um, and it's a six issue uh, mini series, self enclosed. Um, so it'll, yeah, it'll make a nice a nice hefty trade piece but back um, um, but yeah I mean uh, uh, the thing we're doing it six issues as well is um, structurally that work because it takes place against the backdrop of World War II um, and it starts in 1940 and then, and then each issue leaps forward a year um, through major set-piece conflicts within in World War II. So in issue one you got to see the Battle of Britain, issue two you saw Pearl Harbor, issue three was um, Battle of Midway, and then you went Stalingrad, five today is D-Day, and then issue six is the fall of Berlin so it just, it, doing it that way lent the story a natural sort of spine, a structure to to follow um, and also meant that um, you got to see these different major events in World War Two, but you got to see them in slightly, you know, obviously a slightly different way. When I say slightly different, I meant with flying royal people in it, <laughs> uh, which possibly didn't happen in the, in, in the real World War Two. But yeah, it's, it's been a really fun book to do. I mean, I'm a bit of a, uh, you know, I'm very interested in the era, obviously, historically, but also then to kind of meld that with sort of some of the fun uh, excesses of, um, of the superhero genre is, um, yeah, it's, it's like a little bit of a dream book for me. If I hadn't written it, I, I would definitely avoid it. And and so, you know, the, I guess that's what you try and do with your work. You try and create books that feed your interests. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, see any potential for a prequel to it? Because you know, this year, you know, 100th year anniversary of the First World War. Oh yeah, there's, there's all kinds of, like the, the, the possibilities are huge with it. I mean, because basically what we've set up is this history where, this world where throughout history, that the royals had Superpowers, because of you know, it it, it comes from the idea of the divine right of kings. I mean, in, in in years gone by. Um, people felt they they were the king, uh, they were king and queen because because they were they were blessed by God or sent by God, you know. And and it's playing on that idea. So basically, we could, if we wanted to, go through pretty much any as- major aspect of human history and, and insert this idea into it. Um, it'll it'll just it'll depend on sales, you know. I mean, if if Vertigo get enough people telling them that they'd like to see more, then, then I'm sure. That you'll be up for commissioning us to do more. So um, it's it's a kind of fingers crossed. But I mean, Simon Colby and I have, have talked about doing more, and and we've we've written down a few ideas, and and so yeah, it's a case of we'll see. But at the moment, nothing's definite. I'm, I'm going to keep my I'm going to keep my eye out for a
0: trade. <laughs> Oh, there'll be a t- I'm sure there'll be a trade, yes. That, I mean, I, I, that, that's
1: pretty much 99% certain, I'm sure. Because I'm too far behind to pick up comics now. <laughs> uh, digitally, you've got no excuses yeah. these days. You can do it all that way, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I could do it with an app, but I like I like having the physical book. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, like, I know a lot of people do. Um, m- moving on to something else that you've been doing, you 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 you've, you you're one of the writers involved with the Eleventh Doctor Dots Who story. Now, yeah. without giving too much away, I'm just wondering um, if you if there are any plans to include any of the uh, classic monsters, you know, in 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 the Eleventh Doctor adventures that you're doing. Well,
1: uh, I can't say too much at this point. I'll get I'll get in trouble. I mean, all I can say is. For the majority of what we're doing, it's, 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 there's a lot of uh, concentration on the new uh, and, and, and bringing fresh ideas to bear. But you will see certain classic things. I, can't, I, I know I'm being cryptic, but I can't really say any more than that, unfortunately, because I'll get in trouble, as I say. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully we will, you know, there'll be enough fresh stuff in it to make you feel that you're getting something vital and and um, something that isn't a tired, you know, retread of, of, of past ideas, but also you know, there's, there's an awareness with Hoover, there's such a big fan base of that they'll get they'll get a big thrill out of seeing certain things pop up. I'm saying things in a kind of almost uh, putting quotation marks in here when I say <laughs> it. Um, so yes, I'm sure that's not too helpful, but yes, there will be some old stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously amongst the new stuff, you'll probably have some new vegans and and new new eyes for him to be working alongside as well. I should imagine.
1: Yeah, there's new companions which we are quite excited about because um, it's uh, our series takes place in there was a, there was a period in the TV show where. Um, I think when Amy and Rory got married, and, and he goes off for a couple of hundred years or whatever, to um, to give them a bit of space, and he travels by by himself. And this was this was you know, as it was detailed in the in the TV show. So our story our stories take place within that one hundred years, and and he does have new companions. We're introducing new companions, three of them, um, and that's quite exciting because also, I mean, from a purely from a dramatic narrative point of view. Um if if we just did Amy and Rory stories, uh, or Clara stories, we'd we'd be very um limited in, in what we can do. You know it's no major threat because you you know what the, the end of the particular stories are uh, in, in Amy and Rory's case, but with uh, introducing these three new characters, for a start, we can have a lot of fun with it, and we can come, you know, come up with fresh new ideas that um, are just from us. But also, I mean, you, you hopefully, if we do our job right, you'll care about these characters, and you don't know if they're going to come out alive, you know. Um, and suddenly, that um, that makes it that gives the book a bit more legs than it would if we were telling Amy and Rory stories. I think. Yeah, Um you know, well, on dot two,
0: moving back a little bit um is there any uh, is there any of the classic doctors that you'd particularly love to um have a stab at writing for if you used to do if you used to do a comic book story on one, one of the classic doctors classic era doctors yeah
1: there is. <laughs> I mean, I You know, and we, we've talked about this type of thing because Titan have um, uh, have the, the rights, uh, I believe, to you know to tell stories with pretty much any of the doctors. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if Titan, if you, if you see more, you know, more uh, Doctor Who comics coming with um, uh, with other doctors involved. I'll I'll say that much, but. Um, uh, I, I can't really say any more than that, but but, but yes, there. Are, I mean, there are certain ones from the past that obviously get you quite excited if you if you're a fan. Um, and um, yeah, so, so we'll see what happens in that
0: regard. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't even even suspect to think that that, that they had the rights to do you know the Pride too. I thought they were just doing you know Matt Smith and David Tennant, you know. So that. Well, that, that
1: I mean, listen. I think they've already said that the Capaldi they've got new Capaldi Doctor comics on the way. Um, uh, but um, yes, I mean, uh, nothing's nothing's confirmed at the at, at the moment. But you. I wouldn't be at all surprised if you see other comics, you know, with other doctors at some stage, but I, I, I'm not giving you any concrete confirmation here because I, I don't know any concrete confirmation, but it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Well, get, getting back on to something where you know
0: that you can that you can actually be talking a bit more freely about is uh, your comic book ordinary, which you know I love the first issue, by the way. No, thank you. And um, you know, when when I was reading it, I couldn't help but think that it had some potential for being, you know, perhaps an animated feature or even a even make a fun video game. Um, yeah. Well, how how would you feel about that? You know, if 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 somebody came
1: to you with the potential of, of doing either of those, that'd be fantastic. I mean, it just it would depend on <clears throat> on a number of things, not least, being frank, the money. Um, but um, I mean, that's part of the, you know part of the reason we wanted to do it, creative round. Isn't? I mean, partly the two main reasons were um, I, I I really enjoyed working with Israeli on two thousand eighty on Low Life, and, and I think we bring out the best in each other, and I wanted to do. Uh, Well, I I can't speak for him. I think his work brings out the best in my writing. And I wanted to do something for the American market, which showed off this sensibility that I think we we had when we worked together. So there was that. But also, I mean, I just thought it was a, it was a strong, high-concept idea which could potentially lend itself to other media. Whether you know, whether I be, I think it would make a great movie. But then I would. Um, but um, but it's, so you know, we'll see. I mean, it, I mean, part of the, the thinking with ordinary was uh, it came from this kind of spate of comic book movies that are, that are in the cinema all the time, and they all start with the same basic setup, which is in an ordinary world, one man becomes one person. Sorry, becomes extraordinary. Um, And so I thought, well, that'd be interesting and fun to tip it on its head. In an extraordinary world, one man is ordinary. Um, (coughs) And that's the kind of tight, concise, you know, idea that sometimes... Yeah, the Hollywood uh, people of this world seem to like, but um, but you know we'll, we'll see what happens in that regard. It'd be lovely if it did because it would mean some money coming in. But um, uh, you know, uh, you you can't sort of you can't guarantee these things. But I think that that is, frankly, part of the drive behind a lot of creator-owned projects for people. You know, they the creators retain the ownership and and they want potentially a chance of um, uh, getting into other areas. Cool. Well, you know, I. I- I'd
0: actually like to see it as a movie or a video game, you know, if it was a movie, I'd go see it, if it was a video game, I'd
1: play it. <laughs> hey, well, I mean, uh, God bless you, and, 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 you know, let's let's hope something happens along those lines, but, um, I mean, you never know, I mean, uh, you can think you've got a great type, you know, a, a Hollywood-friendly idea, and nothing can ever come of it, and, and vice versa, I'm sure, you know, so, um, yeah, we'll see. Another thing you've done a lot for, you know, obviously
0: this is kind of inevitable with you having written for 2000 AD, you've kind of done a lot of work with Dread um, over the years. And I'm I'm just wondering, um, you know, because I've not, I've only, I don't think I've actually read any of your Dread. Um, I have read some Dread in the past, but, you know, because I don't think anyone's not read Dread. Um, But I'm just wondering what you thought Of the uh, recent Dread movie And um,
1: are you in the same camp as the rest of us And you want to see a sequel Yeah I'd love to see a sequel I I enjoyed it, I thought it was good Um, I thought it was a good strong movie I was surprised how um, how, how it had an, this real kind of like oppressive feel. Um, it felt very claustrophobic. I mean, I, I think when we heard initially that um, it was all going to be set in one city block, I think it, I, I wasn't alone in thinking, "Oh, that sounds a bit limiting." And, and um, but actually, that was its strength. It was. Um, I thought it was really well made and really well directed, and, and uh, it was very, very. It was very tense. It was. Um, I mean, it didn't. It didn't go into. Um, too much to like you know Mega City 1 the, and the Greater World of Dread but it, what it did was it, it, it had a very um concentrated gaze on on this one storyline, this one narrative and um uh, it was very s- simple and straightforward and and I thought very well very well played it was a far better movie than I think I was expecting it to be um and um, uh, I, I think, you know, Carl Urban was very good. I thought Alex Garland did a very good job with the script. And yeah, I mean, it would it'd be brilliant if there was more, and they could incorporate other aspects of a dread world and, and widen it out a bit. But um, uh, we'll have to see on that. Again, it's it, again, it's all comes down to business, doesn't it? it all comes down to money. But um, yeah, it was, it was and it was so much better than the Stallone movie. It oh, absolutely, just, uh, enormously better than the Stallone movie. Yeah. Um, the Sto- I think that's, a diff- that's a difference. I think that, you know these things. You come in sometimes as a fan, and you you kind of go, yeah, it was it was you want to like it and everything so you, so you kind of like it when perhaps you wouldn't if you came in objectively I think the the Dread movie just if you weren't a Dread fan I just thought it was a really well done tight little exercise really
0: I, I it sort of put me in mind of the first Dirty Harry movie when it was just sort of like A Day in the Knife you know yeah. you, dropped, you dropped directly into, into A Day in the Knife and um and uh, that that's why why it really worked for me. Um as long as all the claustrophobic stuff and the um, and, yeah. and, and the
1: the effects with the with the with the uh, drug yeah. And stuff like that. It was just, um, you well, know. Well, I mean, D- Dirty Harry was, was like uh, was the initial inspiration for Dread. So I wouldn't be at all surprised, like you say, that if um, uh, that they went back to the source and probably used that as a little bit of an influence. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because sometimes, you know, I think that's a, it's a good example of like they plan they to make a big sci fi movie. They didn't have the budget. So they said, well, let's look at what budget we have and, and what can we do to make the most of that budget. And I think that's a really smart bit of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've always thought since seeing the
0: film is, you know, perhaps Dread is probably better suited for television. If you do a limited television series of, so say, 12 episodes or something like that, you know, that that way you get to in, you, you get to investigate the home of Mega City 1 o, o, over a
1: period of time. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, but again, it's just like, I mean, and, uh, you know, from a dream, you know, dream project kind of thing, like uh, HBO or someone like that, taking on a Dread, you know, Mega City One series, just would be amazing. But, um, uh, you know, I, whether or not that's in any way feasible in the future, I don't know, but I, I completely agree. I mean, this is the thing, I mean, the, you know, Wagner and, and the other people who have worked on Dread all the years have built up this amazing world. Um, and uh, it's like 35 years worth of it to explore. So it would be lovely if we could. See more of it at some stage, whether it's in a movie or a TV series or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a comics writer, um, you know, you've done a lot of work for Hire um, yeah. for 2000 AD, and I think you've done a bit of work with Marvel as well, in yes. well DC. Um, And I'm just wondering, is there a a specific character from from any of those universes that you haven't written for yet that you would love to write for?
1: I've written a lot, actually. I mean, for Marvel, I've I've written the vast majority of of Marvel's main characters um, in uh, in one book or another. Um, I've really worked hugely for DC. Um, I've done bits and bobs. I don't know, I'd like to do, I, I quite I've I fancy. always wanted to have a go at Adam Strange, I wouldn't mind doing that, um, uh, whether DC be so inclined, but um, I, I, Adam Strange I think was in one of the first comics I ever bought, I have a strong memory of him being a guest star in a Justice League comic that I had when I was a kid, and I've always had a soft spot, and besides it's kind of like sci-fi action stuff, you know, it, it should be a blast, you know, it should be fun. Um, so yeah, I would jump at that chance if I was given it. But um, there's, there's plenty, you know. There's always ones. I, I don't think I've ever written Daredevil from Marvel. I'd probably like. To, I'd like to have a go at that. But I think the sort of the the the, the, sort of the weight of the Frank Miller stuff just like looms pretty heavy on that. I mean, that's pretty much is. probably should have shut the comic down there and then because it's very difficult to kind of to better that and one of the best comics of all time. Um, but um, I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, there's, this you know, there's always ones that you think, well, that would just be a huge amount of fun. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll take those as as, as as top picks from both both companies, I guess. Yeah, I'm just glad you didn't say Batman or Superman. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I've written, I've written a, a, a Batman story, and I've written a Superman story, so I've kind of like scratched that itch. And and they were fun, and I'd like I'd like to do more. I mean, I really I'd like to do more Superman more so than Batman. I think Superman's a very undervalued character, you know. Um, it's yeah, people Batman people know Batman. It's very easy to kind of. Um, there's been a lot of great Batman stories, and probably less so Superman stories. But I actually went me and Chris Weston did a uh, a Superman story last year, and it's one of the favorite things I've done. I just I do really like the character. As I get older, I'm just a sucker for. Um, Altruism and heroism, in in a pure form, I think it's very um it's very easy to do the you know the gritty dark superheroes, but to do the the ones who just someone like Superman who purely is. You know, is trying to do goodness is is I think more challenging as well, possibly more interesting these days. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I go admit, I'm I'm actually a fan of the uh, fan of not I'm not of the uh, some of the pre-comic stuff. You know, some of the you know some of the uh such as uh, Doc Savage, Man of Bronze, and and stuff like that, and uh, Flash Gordon
1: and Buck Rogers. Well, that's why Adam Strange would be great right? because he's he's basically he's he is Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, isn't he? You know, by any other name. But um, but yes, um, I know what you mean. And, and and you know, well, I mean, Dynamite are, are doing a lot of the, the pulp heroes these days as well, aren't they? Of yeah, I, oh. that's yeah, that, that's uh, that's where most of my monthly spend on comics
0: goes. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. That, Dynamite, I, I, I did do some DC, but I kind of got bored of the Batman stuff, and you know, and I, um I, I guess I'm kind of flighty as in you know. After after about a year, a Batman, I got bored of it. Yeah. So it's
1: just um, I just like to read a lot of different stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, well, there's so many good comics out these days, and so many, especially like uh, again, when you have the own field, where people are just coming to different subjects and different genres, and it's not just limited to superhero stuff. And I think yeah, you know, I think it's just a really great, vibrant time for, 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 to be reading comics at the moment because it's it's not purely. Um the big two you know it's not purely Marvel and DC and, and nothing else people are telling stories in, in so many different ways right now it's great yeah
0: I also think it's amazing how many comic book films we've seen over the last, over, over recent years we've just seen so many come out and it's
1: just all like something good some been not so good you know that's always going to be the way though isn't it I mean basically you're, you're kind of you're at the mercy of the of script and the director, just like any movie and some, you know, you're not know, going you to get it right all the time, but, um, uh, but yeah, uh, I, uh, there are some, there are some, there are some been some really good ones made and, uh, surprisingly good. Uh, like from the Dread one, for instance, um, although he's not a superhero as such. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, am they're going to keep doing it until, because they're making so much money these films. And, um, it, yeah, it is still, from a fanboy perspective, it is still, it's like, I'm going to see the Doctor Strange movie, I have no idea who's going to be in it or whatever, but, um, you just think oh I'm to be your physical part of you we're all nostalgists I think and, and remember being a kid and thinking oh can you imagine if it was if it was ever an ex-member of the you know I mean, now we're all blase because we've seen about five or whatever it is you know. um, yeah it's uh, it, like I say it's, it's, it's an exciting time in that respect as well yeah. well Rob thanks
0: for being on the show it's been, been great having you on and um, you know we'd love to have you on again at some point you know maybe, maybe once we can actually talk to you a bit more about Doctor Who stuff and other stuff you got coming out yeah absolutely
1: I mean yeah thanks for, thanks for chatting and uh, but yeah, contact me again in a few months. I'll be able to say more about the Doctor Who. But, but if you won't mind, I, I will sort of, if, if anyone listening wants to go to my website, robwilliamscomics.co.uk, and you can
0: find out a lot more about Ordinary and, and my other books there. and you're also on Twitter as well? I am, um,
1: at robwilliams71. Okay. Do you, do you have a Facebook? Uh, I do, but I, I'm just Rob Williams on there. You'd have to have a look, you'd have to find me. There'll be about a hundred different ones. <laughs> The other things that I, I yeah, a, a regret. I, I should have had a really interesting um, pseudonym when I started out my career, but I, I stuck on my, my, my old name, and I, um, as a result, I'm difficult to find.
0: Uh, don't, don't worry about it. I mean, you know, my, uh, my guitar teacher
1: is called Rob. And I found him quickly enough. <laughs> so. Well, I know, I know. we uh, we are easy to find, Robs. I, 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 yeah, I guess I, that's one thing. Okay. Well, um, thanks, thanks
0: for joining us on on the show, and um, you know it's been it's been great speaking to
1: you. Uh, thanks a lot, Ian. Anyway, cheers and support. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions.
2: When nine o'clock on a spring morning appears so far as your eyes can tell as dark as midnight, then there is something very seriously wrong somewhere. That was the moment when my life as I had known it for the last 29 years ended. Right there on that Wednesday 28th of May. It remained dark. The sun was dead. And this was the beginning of everlasting night. We love stories.
0: And the train you just heard is uh, from the uh, new Big Finish production of Night at the Triffids, which uh, comes out in September. Um... Anyway, um, that's about all we've got time for this week, folks. Uh, we'll be back at you with another great interview next week um, in which we'll be talking to Frederick Weid- Weidman. Um, he's the composer um, for the um, well fairly recent film. It was released uh, only about a month ago, maybe a bit more, uh, Son sort of Batman, but you know, we talk about that and we talk about um, a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, So that's who we have for you next week. Hope you enjoyed the show and hope you'll come back again and tune in for us next week. Thanks for now. Goodbye.